A little verse has been on my mind and on my heart for some weeks now, and it's found in Psalm 29, verse 2. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Hmm. We know the devil hates our praise. Amen. And you, if you're feeling under the weather tonight, you start praising the Lord. And Jesus will lift that load. Mm -hmm. The devil hates our praise. That's right. And the word of God says, Whosoever offereth praise glorifieth God. And that's our one and only, uh, our only uh, cause tonight is to be here to praise the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I want to really thank God this evening for answered prayer. And I want to thank you, dear people, because you've had a major part in God raising me up from a bed of sickness. And just think tonight, out of, out of 8 billion people in this world, you and I matter to God. Mm. Isn't that amazing? Nobody wants to hear the diagnosis cancer. Nobody wants to hear that word. Mm. Now one in two people in our world have that silent killer. And many people, when they get that diagnosis, they ask and question and say, God, why me? Mm. I didn't say that. Because I felt this was something God was entrusting me with. God gave me a very positive attitude, and God told me just take one day at the time and when people are ill, maybe some of your family have cancer, you need to pray not just for the person who's ill. You need to pray for the family because they carry also a very heavy load. And so I thank God because I felt it was a divine entrustment from the Lord. And I felt also that his glory was going to be at the end of it. After a full year, God brought me through. Yeah. As well as a swollen spleen, there were numerous uh, nodules all over my body with lymphatic cancer, numerous areas. When I came back from Kenya, I hadn't been well November, December, a year ago. When I came back, I was, was straight into Craig Avon Area Hospital for eight days. In total isolation, but I believe even there, God had a plan. Mm -hmm. Because this particular day, a male nurse came into the ward, and we started talking. And this young man, he said, I ask Jesus into my heart every day. And I said, oh, Adrian, that's what I used to do. Because I was brought up in a Christian home away in West Cork. And... I asked Jesus into my life every day because I thought that's the right thing to do. But then one day God challenged me and God spoke to me. And he said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Could that be the voice of God to somebody in this meeting tonight? Choose you this day. Sometimes God speaks to us for a very last time. And that day, as I led Adrian to the Lord, Amen. he said, await has been lifted off me. Amen. And isn't that how it ought to be? Amen. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. And he says, I'll call 
my guitar gospel because I wanted to be a witness for the Lord. And Gilbert gave Adrian a Bible. And I think it's important when somebody comes to the Lord to try to follow them up as you're able. And last time I spoke to Adrian, he said, I love that Bible. I treasure it. And he said, I take my Bible to work with me every day. What a challenge. Would you ever think of taking the Word of God to work with you? Would you ever think maybe of reading the Word of God? The Word of God is very, very precious. Before my six months of chemotherapy in Macmillan there in Craigavon, I had a heart echo. And there again, it was just one nurse and myself, and I started to talk to this lovely girl, Vivian, about the Lord. And Vivian said, for so long, she said, I have been struggling with a terrible fear of death. I said, that's exactly how I felt, Vivian. My father dropped dead very suddenly. And after that, I had such a fear of death. I was afraid that I would die in my sleep. I was afraid the Lord would come back and I wouldn't be ready. I was afraid in eternity everybody could see the type of sinful life I had been living. And I said... You don't have to fear death. I said, once I fear death, but like the psalmist said, he has delivered me from all my fears. And I said, Vivian, that can be your experience, even right today. And there and then, Vivian asked the Lord to save her. She goes to a church, an evangelical church in Belfast. She's joined a young people's group. And just pray that these precious souls will go on and go forward with God and that they will lead others to the Lord. Now, the nurses showed me around that Macmillan unit in Craigavon, if some of you have ever been there or seen it. Two massive, big, big rooms. People just side by side on different chairs for treatment. And it was like God said, Margaret... That is my mission field for you just now. And as many of you know, my heart is really in Kenya. But God said, Amen. that's my mission field for you just now. And it was. Hmm. I had so many opportunities to witness there for the Lord. People from all over, Nurian, just all around. I remember one day giving a little gospel booklet to this man. He was just sitting on his own. He opened it right away and began to read. I was so very thrilled. And even some of the consultants asked for prayer. And I was able to pray even with some of the people there. I was able to give out that book. You probably know it from every home crusade. Seven Steps to Knowing God and Pardon for Sin and Assurance of Peace with God. Amen. Maybe tonight you don't know anything about that peace. It's a peace this world doesn't give, can't give. And it's a peace that can never take away. Now, the side effects of chemo are not nice. You know, they're not pleasant. You can lose your hair. You can feel nauseated, all sorts of things. But I thank God for his amazing grace. That's all I can say. His amazing grace. And God has given me an empathy for people who are suffering. And just the, the joy 
that God gave me in witnessing for himself. You know, some days as I left that unit, I said to Calvert, I had a great day today. I had such a wonderful time witnessing for the Lord. I knew I was exactly where God wanted me to be. And then recently when Gilbert and a couple of others were back in Kenya, I obviously wasn't allowed to go. And for those three and a half weeks, I really proved the sufficiency of God's grace. I knew his peace. I knew his presence. I knew his, his joy. I didn't have any fear. And some people said to me, Margaret, are you living in that house there on your own? I said, why not? Of course. I said, it's Jesus and me. And there I knew the presence of God. Then I was reading, there are a hundred billion stars in the galaxy. And they're numbered. And they're named every one of them. Mm. How much God cares for us. In July, I had the terrible problem of a broken shoulder. I fell and broke the shoulder. I fractured it. And of course, I was told at the fracture clinic, you will never have full use of that shoulder. It will never be right. And I thought, I'm going to refuse those negative words. Amen. If God can heal of cancer, he Amen. can heal a broken shoulder. Amen. There is nothing my God cannot do. Amen. I really believe that. And today we should see people not only getting, getting saved, and getting sanctified, we should see people being healed, mm. even of the most dreadful disease. I mean, Jesus hasn't changed. He is the same mm. yesterday, today, and forever. Tonight I want to say, God, and only God, he has been my healer. Thank God for Macmillan. Thank God that mm. he uses human means. They treat people, they love people, the support of those people was second to none. But Jesus, Amen. ultimately, is the one who heals. And you know, before I got the result of my PT scan, which I had to go to Belfast to get, I just felt one day, God wanted me to book our flights back to Africa. Now you must say that, that was a bit stupid. But it wasn't one bit stupid. Because the day I went for my scan, two things happened. I'll tell you the first one. That very evening, from Belfast to Craigavon, the news had already come. And the girl, Louise, rang me up. And she said, Margaret, you are totally free of cancer. Amen. And I said, praise the Lord. Now, I don't know if she saved her, but I said, praise the Lord. Your scan has been totally free. And I said, all glory to my wonderful Lord. Now, I'm aware not everybody gets a positive result. Not everybody. And we need to pray for others. And tonight, I don't know what challenge you're facing. I don't know. I'm sure there are many here, and you're facing big challenges. But as someone said recently, when the metal is in the fire, when that precious metal is being refined, mm. the refiner is standing at the door. So far, 
and no further. Just hand the situation over to God. Amen. That's the most important place. You know, the devil has no right to cause us to fear. The devil is a, a liar. He has no right to torture our minds because we have a mighty God. And we have a wonderful Savior and a wonderful healer. Can I ask you tonight, do you belong to him? Mm-hmm. Or do you belong still to the devil? You know, I learned a very important lesson during that year that I went through. It wasn't easy coming back to Craig Avon after Ringhill in Kenya and having a repeat of many of those terrible things like having a needle put into your bone twice or a needle put into the gland on the side of your neck. But the grace of God, it's amazing grace. And I believe there are times God multiplies his grace. One very important lesson I learned was, and it's for all of us, we need to hold very loosely to temporary things. You know, the morning of my scan, what happened? My engagement ring of 46 years, something very precious. My ruby red ring of six and a half years were stolen. That was difficult. But maybe God had to say something to my heart. No insurance cover. But Satan can't steal our peace. He can't steal our soul when we belong to Jesus. And the future is as bright as his wonderful promises. Somebody mentioned this recently, and I thought, this is a very good motto for 2023, and we're not long into it yet. You may not always be able to trace God's hand, but you can trust God's hand. By his grace, I stand. By his blood, I'm free. By his stripes, I'm healed. He's been so good to me. There's a little verse, and I want to read it just as I close. This is a wonderful verse. It's in Revelation 20, 21, and verse 4. Now, it says God. It doesn't say an angel. Hmm. Not even Gabriel or Michael. It says, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And as I read it, said, no cancer in heaven. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Good evening, everyone. Um, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Hazel Patterson. And uh, tonight, along with Margaret and Holly, I have come to tell of my experience 
of uh, cancer diagnosis in my life as well. And uh, just before I, I begin to reflect, again, encouraged by those words uh, that we've just sang, and my prayer tonight is that God will get all the glory and all the praise tonight. Um, just very briefly, just to tell you again that um, who I am, I'm Hazel Patterson uh, from outside Oma. Uh, I'm married to Stuart and have two children, Gemma and James, and we have been coming along here to the fellowship for about the last year and a half. I've been very blessed by the messages that are faithfully preached week after week. Well, my diagnosis was probably the most recent and in my life everything has been happening very quickly. It was back on the 13th of September of 2022 that I was given a diagnosis of cancer and that was of cancer of the womb or as the uh, doctors called it endometrial cancer. Um, before that uh, you might ask, what were my symptoms? Uh, was I feeling very unwell? Um, to tell you the truth, um, there really weren't any. Uh, back in July of that summer, I had had a slight bleed, which is something that shouldn't be happening to somebody of my age. So that was something I had reported to the GP uh, the next uh, on a Monday morning after it had happened at the weekend. I wasn't particularly concerned. It was something you could have almost not bothered about, just a little show of blood. But the doctor that day said to me, well, this uh, is something that we will refer on. And um, not very long after that, about a couple of weeks later, I was given an appointment to come to the local hospital in Oma to the outpatients clinic where um, I was seen by a lady gynaecologist who did some exploratory investigations. And that day she um, identified that I had a, a something called a polyp, which can often be just very innocent and insignificant. And that day there were biopsies taken of the little polyp, which she said that was what had caused the bleed that I had experienced. But there were also, she also did uh, biopsies of the lining of my womb. And I was to await for results, um, which because of all the situation recently of uh, COVID and so forth, uh, there was no time on that, so again, uh, I wasn't sure how long I'd have to wait. But in fact, back about the beginning of August, um, that was carried out. I then um, waited for some weeks, um, putting this to the back of my mind, thinking that really there wasn't much to worry about. I even thought that day that it had happened, I had... Uh, been taking down curtains in the summertime. Maybe that was, it was just overexertion. Um, I got a letter for an appointment to come to Enniskillen on Tuesday the 13th of September where I was to meet that um, gynaecologist again. And when I came in, uh, she was just very direct and open and just said, well, 
Look, I'm very sorry to tell you, but we have found cancer cells in the lining of your womb. And first thing she did was she just handed me a little book that probably many people experience. It's the first thing that you're given. Mine was called endometrial cancer, or in brackets was womb cancer. And um, as I looked at it and uh, just thought about what was going to happen next, she said, well, look, um, we can't really put a time on this or tell you anything about, about what's going to happen just today. She said the first step has to be a scan, an MRI scan. And that was something, again, I really didn't anticipate, but that was the way forward to have this scan, which would, for the professionals, um, identify what the treatment ahead for me was going to be. Um, so that evening, it was a Tuesday evening, I had uh, come home. Uh, my husband had come with me to the appointment. So uh, when we got out to the car, it was there that I said, well, news wasn't so good today. It wasn't what you'd want to hear. Um, when I got back home, um, before even getting back home, my daughter had phoned. Of course, she'd, she'd had to phone her dad and get to speak to him on his phone. Um, but she was waiting to hear what had happened as well. Um, and to be honest, I didn't want to have to tell her over a phone, but uh, I didn't want to not tell her either. So uh, she then heard the news, and that evening James was told over the dinner table. And the next day, um, I didn't expect to hear any more um, uh, anything about it because I'd been told... Uh, everything's so busy now, we can't give you dates. It could be weeks to have to wait. But that very afternoon of the following day, on the 14th of September, I had a phone call from a little nurse who introduced herself, and she was to be the uh, cancer liaison nurse that I got to know. And she said, I'm just ringing here with an appointment for your MRI scan for next week. So again, God had his hand upon this all was working so quickly. And that same evening, it was a Wednesday evening, and um, we had come along to the prayer meeting. And, you know, the devil doesn't want you near it. Of course, there were lots of commotions, which if you lived in my house would seem ever so familiar. There were things happening. There was a calf had been sick and it needed the attention of a vet and so forth. There were all sorts of things to delay us, but... When we got to the prayer meeting that night, um, Bertie, um, just as commonplace, had asked for points of prayer. And so I brought the news that I'd been given just the day before. But I have to tell you that the Lord is so good because that night there was just uh, an amazing outpouring of prayer amongst the people who were there. And I was so supported and felt God's presence so near, just reassuring me and touching me. And we're reminded, uh, when I came home, I was reminded uh, in God's word of the importance of prayer. And um, in James, James chapter 5 and verse 16, we're reminded to pray for one another that ye may be healed. And that night, you know, so many people had 
had prayed audibly and inaudibly. It was just terrific. And, you know, I just will ne I never know the work. Uh, two people who came and put their hands on my shoulder and prayed over me. And that just had such an impact on me. And afterwards, again, I reflected on that verse which goes on to say, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And standing here tonight, each one of us can testify of the importance of prayer and the significance that has because each one of us tonight is able to give God all the glory and thanks to all those people who have joined with us keeping us, supporting us in prayer. Well, the next uh, time in my life was going for the MRI scan. That, I knew that was a big thing. That was going to be uh, what really would dictate the, um, the, what, what would happen for me. And so the, uh, it was on the Wednesday, the 21st of September, that I had then to go to Alton Galvin Hospital for the MRI scan. And as uh, I was going that morning, Stuart uh, was driving and I wasn't uh, driving. Um, there wasn't much chat amongst us. We were uh, quite sober. And it's again, another milestone that you're not looking forward to. But going in the car that morning, um, just as I was reading and praying, this was the, the, the verse that the Lord had given me. And it's from Psalm 50, verse 15. And it says, And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. And you know, in the midst of reading, it was just that verse stood, stood out for me. It was one actually I had highlighted at another time. And through that verse just the Lord spoke to me. And I thought of, yes, that was something that I had been doing, my family had been doing, people around me were doing, they were calling upon the name of the Lord. And here in the middle of that verse, he was saying, I will deliver thee. And that was such a reassurance that day to know that the Lord had his hand upon me. I trusted that the Lord would be with me in whatever direction the journey took, I knew that he was there with me at my right hand. And again, it had reminded me of um, just the calendar page that had stood in my kitchen uh, prior to that in the month before. And it reminded me, it says in Psalm 118 verse 8, this was the, the little text that was on that August calendar page. And it says, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. And once again, I was reminded that although we depend heavily on the professionals and on their skills and their treatment, it's the Lord who does the healing, as has already been said tonight. So after that um, scan had been completed, um, again, everything happened very quickly. It was just the following week that, the uh, again, the liaison nurse rang me and told me the results of the MRI scan, which were positive. She said, 
Good news, the cancer has been confined to your womb. This is what the MRI scan had shown. And she said, so the treatment for you, that means it's going to be surgery. And she said the team had been meeting that day. That's why she was able to uh, phone me with these results. She said, your surgeon, the gynecologist you're going to be under, wants to meet you tomorrow. So everything was happening really quick. And she said, uh, can you come tomorrow? And of course, you don't say no to any appointment that you're given. And it was the next day then that I met uh, the gynecologist that was to carry out my surgery. So she advised that it would be a hysterectomy, and that was um, a complete removal just of everything of my womb and also, I suppose, surrounding areas, ovaries, fallopian tube, and, and my cervix. But she said, um, I can bring you in next Wednesday and your surgery on Thursday. So once again, this was the Lord's hand upon it all. It was all just happening so fast. And at the same time, I had been listening to the news and all the propaganda that's going around today of how overstretched the health service is. And uh, we're not by any means saying that they're not overstretched, but you know, the Lord had his hand upon it. I was fitted in. I was able to be given an appointment for surgery in just a week's time. And so the following week, I had went into hospital on the Wednesday. And during that week prior to it, I suppose I was busy with all sorts of non-essential things. When you look back at it, filling the freezer and cupboards and all sorts of nonsense like that. But sitting just at the kitchen table on the, the, the day before I went in on the Tuesday at lunchtime, um, I was listening to uh, sort of the, the daily um, little hymn singing that I listened to. Um, and I've been listening to it since COVID came about. And uh, it's on 725. And it's uh, Pam Rhodes does a little uh, reflection of hymns and praise each weekday uh, between one and quarter to two. And just the words of that very last hymn, I thought I'll not be hearing this now until I get back home and the, the words of the very last song that was being sang just struck my heart and those were the words I go before you and just at the kitchen table um, that just was so poignant it just really broke my heart that all along I knew that the Lord would be with me that he was upholding me he was there supporting me but to think that he was actually going before me I had nothing to fear because he was going to prepare the way for me. And when you think of the, what we've been told as children and the stories of the Israelites and how the Lord went before them and guided them all the way, when you think of this happening, how the Lord does this for you, a small person, and yet he remembers you every second of the day. So... The surgery was carried out as planned on the Thursday and everything was successful. The hysterectomy was carried out and I got home again on the following Monday. And uh, I was told um, when I left uh, the hospital that 
well, we have to now just wait. We have to wait on histology results where uh, there would be an analysis made of everything that was removed. And in the next week, um, I can tell you, um, I just had a great sense of peace. The Lord was with me. Um, at times, um, there may have been human friction at home. I just stand here tonight and thank my family for all the support that they gave me, for the care that sometimes you often don't realise you need. And it reminds you of how human and how frail you are when you're not able to uh, reach down and put your socks on or you're no longer able to let, prepare your own meal. So I, I just thank um, my family for that and for putting up with the, the sometimes the critical words that they heard of uh, um, just, oh, that's not the way to do it. But anyway, it was done. It was done so well. Well, just a week after that, when I got home, I also got a telephone call like Margaret had been talking about. And it was the little nurse again, Heather. And she said, Hazel, is that you? When I'd answer, you have to ring the landline in my house to get me. And it was me. So she just said, I've, I've great news for you. The cancer's gone. Amen. And what great news it was to hear that the Lord had been so faithful. Remember again the words that he'd given me. He said, I will deliver thee. And here it was, the cancer had been removed, it was gone. She was able to tell me that the cancer that had been found was only early stages. It had been confined to the lining of my womb. It was what the doctors would have classified as stage 1A. Initially, I had not wanted to know about all of that. The little booklet I'd been given me um, had all of that laid out from stage 1A, B, stage 2A, B, right through to stage 5. I really didn't want to know about all the ins and outs of that. But it was so, so great to hear that news. It had gone. And also, I'm humble tonight because I know my sisters have had such, they've had to go through so much worse experiences than I had. She also said to me, um, because of, of it being um, confined to just the lining of your womb, she said, you won't require any further treatment. So that meant no chemotherapy, no radiotherapy. And again, I don't know why. I don't know why I didn't have to go through those. So many people today are going through those treatments day after day. But I give thanks and praise to the Lord. And that day after I'd come off the phone, um, I sat down to do my readings. I had taken with me into hospital this little book um, called The Bedside Book. And I had been reading that from the, the, the first day I had went in and been continuing to read it. It was very short little readings, um, but something you were able to just sit and contemplate on the word each day. And the reading for that day, it was a mixture of readings of short prayers and the uh, word from God that day came from Psalm 107. And when I opened it, I thought the Lord even had this planned right down to this last detail. Because as I read, here were the words of verse 1 in Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. 
for his mercy endureth forever. Verse 2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And tonight, I'm just so privileged and so thankful for what the Lord has done. And so thankful as well for the opportunity to come with these other redeemed ladies to say, let the redeemed of the Lord give thanks and say so. And in fact, in that whole chapter, this verse that I'm going to read to you is repeated not just once, but four times. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And tonight, I just want to thank and praise the Lord and glorify him again for what he's done for me. In that little verse that I was given again, if I reflect back to it, it started off by saying, and call upon me in the day of trouble. Then I will deliver thee. This was God's part. He had done that. And it finishes, and thou shalt glorify me. And this is my part, to glorify God, to give him the praise and the thanks and the honor, not just for his healing on my body, but for the healing that he had already done on my soul. For before that, away back on the 25th of November in 2001, the Lord had reached down and touched me and healed my soul and saved me. And for that, I give him the glory and praise as well. And it reminded me as well, just when I was thinking about those words, and thou shalt glorify me, of, as a child, the first of the shorter catechism that I had to, had to learn. And it wasn't just the very first, the little child's catechism, but the next stage, the, the, the shorter catechism. And it begins, the first question in that is, what is the chief end of man? And it reminded me of the words that we had to learn. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And tonight, tonight's just one opportunity to glorify God, to thank him and praise him for all that he's done in my life. And yet tonight I'm reminded that I will have all eternity to glorify him, to praise him forever and ever. Amen. And tonight, with my sisters that are gathered here together, I just want to leave you with the thought. Tonight, each one of us, you might look down afterwards and say, oh yes, those three ladies, Margaret and Hazel and Holly, each one of them, they're all one thing in common. They all had cancer. They've all had it recently, haven't they? And they've all, they've all been healed. They've all known the touch of God. But you know, that's not really the common denominator that we have at all. Each one of us tonight were able to stand here before God and say that our common denominator is not just that we have known the grace of God's healing, but that we have known the grace of God's salvation. And tonight we give him the praise and the glory for that. That is so much more important because not only have we known the grace of healing in our lives, but we've known the grace of forgiveness of sins. We've known the gift of his salvation, and each one of us have that hope of heaven. And tonight, I just, 
ask you in these last few minutes before I, I go and sit down again, just to consider yourself. And tonight you might think, well, I don't need the Lord's healing touch. I'm perfectly healthy. I have no need for that. But I want you to ask yourself, do you need the Lord's healing touch in a spiritual sense? Do you need the Lord's saving touch? Because he's still the same Jesus, the one who saves to the uttermost. And the Bible reminds us, even as we've been reflecting upon just recently there over Christmas, that even his, own, his name, Jesus, he was given that name because it reminds us that he came to seek and to save those that are lost. And tonight, this could be the night, the opportunity for you to come to the Lord, to put your trust in him. And he very simply just says to you tonight, come. And you have to respond to that call if you haven't already done so. And tonight we thank the Lord that you, we can come. And the message of the gospel is still the same. Repent and believe the gospel. And tonight I just want to finish again by reflecting on those words from Psalm 107. That reminds us of the importance of coming back to give thanks to the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And we give him all the praise and all the glory, because it is the Lord who heals. It is the Lord who saves. He's the same Jesus today as he was and will be forever. And we give him all the glory and praise. Amen. Isn't it wonderful to be fit to stand and praise the Lord tonight? It really is. And, um, you know, our sister was talking there about eternity. And, you know, we really will need eternity to be able to give back the praise that he deserves. Um, bit of a hard follow after them two ladies. <laughs> You know, I was laughing, Margaret there, Margaret and Gilbert came to stay with us um, whenever she was in the midst of her chemo and she phoned me up before she come and she says, Holly, she says, because I was, I was, um, I think just finished chemo and I was quite sick and she goes, she says, I'll come down and babysit Nettie and Brian go out and I goes, I goes, Brian, she's in the middle of chemo too and she wants to come down and babysit to give me a break. The energy of that dear lady is amazing. Um, but praise God tonight. And um, I'm just going to start. It's um, a piece of scripture that the Lord has really, really spoke to me through this week. And it's from Mark chapter 14. And I'm going to read from verses 3 to 9. And it's just about this lady, this incredible lady. There's some amazing ladies in scripture that um, really inspire me and I hope she inspires you tonight. But this lady came to the house where the Lord Jesus was and she came and she interrupted a dinner. It was Jewish custom that the men would have ate on their own and the only ladies that would have been there were the ones that served them. But this lady busted into the room and fell at the feet of Jesus and caused a bit of a commotion. 
Uh, verse 3. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leopard, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that, were, that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And as they murmured against her, this lady was moved and filled with the Holy Spirit. This lady wasn't concerned about the religious leaders and the religious men that was around her. She came in and she fell at the feet of Jesus. And that's what I have learned to do over the last two years as one storm after another has come into my home. And I love the response of Jesus. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She has wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will may, may do them good, but me ye have not always. She has done what she could. And that's all the Lord requires of us. But verse 9, Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel, the gospel that we are standing upon tonight, shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she has done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Why would the Lord say that? Because she gave her all. And that's what I, four years ago, I laid my life on the altar. I said, Lord, it's all vanity. Everything we have, material things, all that's around us, it's all vanity. Even relationships don't satisfy. It's all vanity. And I said to the Lord four years ago, take whatever I have, whatever feeble effort I can give you, just take it. And as I thought of those words, she has done what she could. Whenever I set my life upon the altar, everything came against me. You see, the devil's very happy with us sitting at ease in Zion. But I was going to be put through the test. My children have been affected. Marriage was even affected. Our income everything and then my health but I can stand here and testify to the praise of God tonight that he is sovereign we do not speak about the sovereignty of God enough you know there is a, a gospel that is infiltrating the thinking of even God's people maybe even here tonight that give the devil far too much glory because the glorious news of the gospel is the Lord Jesus defeated sin and death on that cross he is king of kings and lord of lords the devil is but a puppet on a string to him the lord uses him for his will sickness is not of god but god permits it so i knew the day that i was diagnosed with cancer aggressive cancer 
the worst breast cancer that you could get. I knew that my God had permitted it for a reason. And as Margaret said there today, I never asked why, but I asked what for? What are you going to show me, Lord, through this? We were entrusted, these two ladies that went before me, we were entrusted with suffering. And there's another sister down there too that's been a great inspiration to me as well. We were entrusted, and maybe some of you here tonight, you have went through great trials. And I see another sister here as well, and brother, that lost son. We have been entrusted. But I can look around and see the strength and what God has done in those people's lives. Oh, but we do we, what we can. Let's give it to the Lord. Let's give it to the Lord. I always cry. <laughs> um, but where are they now? Um, yes, she has done what she could. Um, the last time I stood here, um, I had just finished chemo and I was going in the next day for my surgery. Now chemo was horrendous and no other word for it. I took every side effect and I think I added to them. Um, but I went in for surgery and what was meant to be a three hour surgery ended up being five and a half. And I had quite a big recovery. Um, I think it was about two weeks, maybe after that, we went for my results and they told me that my chemo was not successful. That um, my tumour, I thought I could feel the tumour getting softer and that it was disappearing. But what it had actually done was it had just poked holes in it that made the tumour soft. It was still a grade three, still very aggressive. And do you know, someone could say, well, why did you have to suffer all of that? You know, why go through chemo if it wasn't going to do anything? I learned so much. I have learned so much of the cross as I have went through suffering. Suffering, as a Elizabeth Elliot, many of you know her, she's a lady that I, I've read many of her books and stuff. She says suffering, she suffered much in her life. And she says suffering is a mystery. But when you think of the cross and you think of what Jesus suffered, you often think, was there no other way? But there was no other way. First Peter chapter 4 and 13 reminds us, but rejoice. And that's what we're here tonight to do, to rejoice. Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. You see, there is a part taken. We are partakers with Christ's suffering. We will suffer as God's people. We are not going to be immune to it. But what we have in it, we have joy that is not even reasonable at times. You know, we are a peculiar people, you know, we are. And um, it says then on that verse, when his glory shall be revealed, that ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. I have grown so much over the last uh, two years in my faith. I'm actually saved. Next week I'm saved nine years and but the last couple of years through the trials I have come to love my saviour more than I ever have I have more how can I say it I'm in awe at what he suffered I suffered yes but what he went through what he went through for me and you 
I'll never ever really understand the love that he has for us is beyond measure. Um, so I had my chemo, or my results from my surgery, and it was on to then radiotherapy. They told me, start of all, it'll only be a week, and you have to go then for a planning scan. Now, a planning scan with radiotherapy is very, very detailed of your body. And I got the scan, I'd signed off, you have to sign off on all your treatment plans. And I went home and I had to prepare. I thought, this is great, it's only a week, not a, too much upset to the house because the kids were fed up. I was fed up, I just wanted some sort of normality back in our home. But then I got a phone call one day and the lady on the phone, she says, Holly, we want you back up to the radiotherapy department. And I just goes, I goes, why? And she goes, we can't discuss anything over the phone. Um, so I'd like you up. Now, I knew straight away, I says, this is not normal. I'd talked to plenty of other girls and I just knew the way things was and I knew it wasn't good news. I took to the bed. I didn't say anything to mum or dad or anybody and I just knew that there was obviously something else found. Now, I, it was about a week before the appointment and I started searching and I says, God, I need you to speak. I need you to tell me what's going on here. But I'd ever heard from him. He was silent, or so I thought he was. And I went up and my appointment was, she says, yes, we have found cancer, we have found secondary cancer, and it's in your neck and it's under your arm. Now, I had had a scan even previous to this and they gave me the all clear, so this was a new development. Um, I came home and signed off on a new plan. I was given my uh, radiotherapy more intense and would be for 15 sessions um, constant, 15 constant sessions. That means I'd have to be away from home, I'd have to leave the children, I'd have to stay up there in a hotel and all of that. And if anybody knows me, I love being at home or I love being in the, in the house, I hate being away. But the Lord had already given me a promise and it was my brother Bertie that's sitting down here that the Lord prompted to remind me. You see, I had had a promise given to me and I didn't even know it. I forgot about it. Bertie had been in a prayer meeting here the Wednesday before my radiotherapy started. And he sent me, he says, Holly, the Lord has told me to send you this verse. And it was from Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. And as I opened my Bible, I had underlined this verse and I had dated it. I hadn't, after chemo, it's a blur. I find it very hard to read my Bible. So I would have been in the horrors of chemo at this stage on the 19th of January. But I had was, it was underlined neatly and dated neatly. And this is the verse. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The Lord had already spoke. The Lord already knew. And the Lord had already made provision. And that settled me. That was it. That's all I needed. And as I went in for radiotherapy, I thought, well, Lord, you're going to learn me. You're going to teach me something through this. And he did. Radiotherapy is a horrific experience. You know, I had life-changing surgery. And then you're taken in. You're stripped. And you're put on a bed. And you're tied to it. And you have to lie there for about 45 minutes till an hour. And you can't move. 
But I wasn't thinking of myself as I lay there. I just thought of my Lord and my Saviour. He went to the cross. He was stripped. He was marred more than any man has ever been marred. Suffered more than any of us have suffered. Any of us three ladies tonight, we've all suffered. And many of you here, but he suffered more than that. And God, Son, Son of God, God himself, mocked, spat upon his beautiful face, beard ripped from his face, and then he was nailed to that tree naked. Oh, I thought of him lying there for dirty, rotten, filthy sinners like us. Oh, why, Lord? But as I lay there, oh, the love of God filled my heart. And he says, I did it for you, Holly. I did it for you. He's did it for every one of you in this room tonight. Oh, the love of God is massive. But you won't experience it until you come and you acknowledge your sin before him. Will you not just give him your sin? That's all you have to do. Come, acknowledge your sin before him. Repent. Turn away from it. You won't want it. Trust me, whenever you have him, you will not want it. He is enough for anybody and a beyond. You know, my father in heaven has a treasure trove. It's never, ever emptied. All he gives, he gives, he gives. And I learned through those sessions, I was on the cross with him, experienced a little of what he experienced, and I thank him even for that experience. You know, one of the things that I really did pray for was the smell. Radiotherapy burns flesh. And when I come out of the appointment, I sat in the car, I was going home. Oh, the smell of sulfur. And that's what hell will smell like. That smell of burning flesh. I thought, why are you letting me smell this? Why are you letting me experience this, Lord? Hell is very, very real. I have a new appreciation even for hell, which has in turn increased my burden for the lost. Hell is very, very real. It's nothing that we should speak around. It's as real a place as earth is. And if you're not saved, you're going to it. The smell of that burning flesh really disturbed me to the point where I says, Lord, I can't go in there today and go through that again unless you take that smell away. And it was in one of the cubicles before I went in, I think after my fourth session. And thank God, because we were going to Newcastle that weekend for the kids. Um, I was going down to make mum and take the kids to Newcastle. And I was going down after, and I just thought, Lord, I don't want to sit in the car from Londonderry to Newcastle smelling this. And the Lord took it away. But he let me experience that for a reason. Everything has a reason to the child of God. And hell is real. And if you don't repent, you'll smell that burning flesh for eternity. There is no let up, no let up at all for those that will end up in that place. Jesus has made full provision for you here tonight. Jesus is here in this place. I have been reading through that amazing prayer John 17, the prayer that the Lord prayed before he went to the cross. And he said, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. 
That's why I read the Word of God, because it's the only thing that will affect you. I could stand here and talk all night, but the Word of God is the only thing that will affect you tonight. Verse 21 says, that they, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. That's what the Lord wants. He wants us to be with him. He wants us to be in fellowship with him, that the world may believe that thou had sent me. If you don't take anything away from my experience of cancer tonight, I just want you to believe in him. He is real. I could not have done the last two years without him. You need him. I need him. Our sister Margaret had said there, and just the Lord confirmed it to me through her, that she said about choosing, choose you this day whom you will serve. And I'll finish with this. That is a profound bit of scripture, choose you this day. And I had to choose him every single day through my cancer journey. I got up in the morning, I said, I'm going to serve the Lord today. Even when I couldn't walk, even when I couldn't lift a spoon, even when I couldn't get out of my bed, even when I was in the horrors of just oppression from the enemy, I said, I will choose the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You have to choose what you do with him every single day. Are you going to choose right now to reject him? Are you going to say no to my saviour that done so much for you? Are you going to walk out the door the same way that you come in? If you're a child of God, there's many choosing. You still have to choose him. Let me tell you, you still have to choose him each and every day. Are you going to choose to praise him? when the seasons of affliction come, because they will come. Every child of God will, will experience them. As our sisters said today to the devil hates praise, choose to praise him when the storms of light, life come in. Choose to trust him when you cannot see. We think of the, the three hours when he was on the cross, complete darkness throughout this world. Now, them three, I always say, and I, when I'm reading the scriptures, it mimics what will be like. Just before the Lord went to the cross, will mimic, and is in Revelations, what will be like before he comes back. There's going to be real darkness here in the earth before our Lord bursts through those clouds. Are you going to choose to be faithful? Are you going to choose to serve him when those dark hours come? Because they are coming. And we must choose to serve the Lord through them when we can't see or understand what is happening. As I said, I believe in a sovereign God. I am his child. We sing that we verse, he's got the whole world in his hands. Yes, he's got the whole world in his hands. I believe that. He has me in his hands. And if you're a child of God, he has you in his hands. Just trust him this year with whatever comes. And if you're not his child, why not? Why not come tonight? Choose him the day. I'm going to finish with this verse, Joshua 23, verse 14, and it sums up my Lord so well. And behold this day, I am going the way of all the earth, and ye know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you and concerning me.
All are coming to pass unto you, and not one thing has failed thereof. That's my God. That's my Saviour. And I highly recommend him. Praise God. Thank you.